episode 112 for September 2010. Yes, the power love can save your Aunt May from near death. <laughs> the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. And they have discounts that start at 38% and they go up to 75% off the cover price. A spider-related example is the Spider-Man Noir Eyes Without a Face trade paperback. The cover price is $14.99. Mail order has it for just $7.49, which is 50% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Happy September, gang. I'm your host, Brad Douglas. Let me introduce our panel for the month. We have the return of Michael Bailey. He's a podcaster in his own right with the Views from the Long Box Show. Welcome back, Michael. Very nice to be back. And you are just fresh from Dragon Con. Yes, that was last weekend, though it seems like ages ago now. That, that, that's, that's how Dragon Con is. It's kind of like Christmas in that respect. Yeah, you're moving on up. You were on a panel with Peter David, too. That's yes, I awesome. was. That's sweet. Yes, I was. It was very nice. Talking about uh, comic, what was it again, sci-fi and what? Comics is science fiction literature. Nice, very nice. So 20 minutes of it was spent bitching about Star Wars. It was kind of funny. <laughs> very cool. We also have author Kevin Cushing from the Spider-Man Crawl Space webcomic and a host of a new show. We have another podcaster with us. He is doing the Jeff Johns podcast. Tell us about the show, Kev. Uh, just launched it. It's going to be a uh, mostly a review show for the time being, just talking about all of Jeff John's comics from past and present. Uh, I'll be reviewing uh, the newest books and books from 11 years ago every month, uh, just talking about some great comics, basically. Nice. Uh, web address. Give us the web address. You uh, can also can find it on the front page of the Crawl Space, but... Yeah, it can be found there. Uh, it's on jeffjohnscast.libson.com. You can also find a Facebook page. Or follow it on Twitter, at Jeff John's Cast. Nice. Very cool. And I listened to it. It's about 35, 40-minute pilot episode. And I didn't stop it even when you started talking DC. So very, <laughs> very good job, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and we have Stella, yet another podcaster in her own right, from the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. And Stella, you just started as a new teacher. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know... Just for all those students out there, please know how much teachers do and to just really respect them. Are you, are you enjoying it? Is it fun? Um, I am. Uh, I had eight days of prep time. I was hired yeah. on August 17th, and then the first day of school was August 24th. So it was a little overwhelming, but it, it, get be- it gets better, you know, every week. And is it Latin? Is that what you teach? Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Congrats to you. Thank you. And we have... JR, who is also a writer, and he's too busy. He's a full-time father. He doesn't need a podcast. He's on this one, right? <laughs> I know. I don't I don't have a podcast. I'm the only one. Oh, You've you got kids to raise, man. you got mortgage oh to pay. Oh, oh my God. But anyway, I was going to – Stella, did you ever see Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? <laughs> I have not. Oh, my goodness. Okay. He got to. Yeah. Anyway, he's uh, – he's, uh, Anyway, he falls for a, he's in college for convoluted reasons. He falls in love with one of his professors played by Sally Kellerman. And he goes, oh, that's what I like about teachers. You get something wrong. They make you do it over again. <laughs> so 
<laughs> yes. He, what did he say? Uh, Chaucer for everybody? Or no, what was the line? Uh, uh, no, Shakespeare for everyone! Shakespeare for everybody, oh! <laughs> Worth it for that Sam Kinison scene alone. Oh, God, that was awesome. I love that scene. Anyway, and unfortunately, Zach is not here this month. He is trying to pay his rent. He's got, uh, he's working. Rent! Rent! <laughs> well, let's start off with something I've been waiting for a long time to hear, which is JR's two cents about the, the costumes have been released for the Spider-Man musical. Uh, it looks like, uh, the Grinch had a kid, and, uh, the Im- images are all over the internet. They, they've released that, uh, the Green Goblin is one of the main villains of the musical, and also a new villain, that looks kind of like Grace Jones did in Max in whatever what what was that last James Bond movie or I'd forget she she's funky looking her name is Swiss Miss not to be View to a kill View to a kill Swiss Miss is the name of the villain she has a cone bra uh, looks like Madonna Swiss Miss is also the name of a Coco so Jr what do you think of a they're combining Norman Osborn's origin with Doc Ock, so they're calling him Dr. Osborn, and he's also a southern gentleman with a southern draw. <laughs> J.R., what do you think? Oh, damn. So, I mean, so you love it, huh? <laughs> uh, well, it, it's almost like, you know, I'm thinking, I... I I can't rag on it too much, I guess, because yeah. the original Green Goblin has a pink purse and <laughs> little 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 purple booties with little points on him, and you know he looks like a brownie or something, and uh, you know big green pointed ears, and yeah. you know, and it, and it's kind of like, well, this isn't a dignified costume for the play, yeah, and his original one was, yeah. so, but my God, what is that thing growing out of the top of his head? It looks I mean, like it a looks pineapple like, spear at the top. Oh, my God. And then his legs look like fluorescent light sticks or something like that. And, and, and is and, he sitting and, on a chair, or is that something up him? I, 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 yeah. <laughs> can any man, can anybody even be in that costume? I wonder if it's just oh. being, oh, my Lord. Uh, I mean, it's just, that is just hideous. I mean, again, I understand it's kind of like the translation from comics to film or comics to TV. Comics to theater is not going to be a, you know, a, you know, note for note translation. I didn't think they were able to screw up a costume worse than they did in the movie, but the movie suit looks like ingenious compared to this. Oh my god. And what is that? He's got like a, some kind of, he's got like a trilobite on his chest or something. It looks like those old (laughs) trilobite fossils you used to, you used to see. And, uh, you know, he's got, he's got this fringe and, you know, maybe this, I don't know, I don't know know if anybody saw the, um, oh god, it was uh, uh, Stephen King and uh, George Romero did this movie back in the early 80s. It was four stories. I can't remember, but Stephen King played a character who had, who, who found a meteor. Creepshow, oh, thank yeah. you, thank yeah, you. Yeah. And he, there was gunk in it, and it made him start growing stuff. You know, green stuff started growing out of him, and this is what this reminds me of. But you know, I'm I'm more bo- I, I'm not I'm I'm more bothered by the southern southern thing, yeah. Because, I, you know, I don't I don't you know combining him and Doc Ock is, 
you know, it's not like there's going to be a sequel to this thing. <laughs> that it, that is, if it lasts a week. Oh my god, without getting laughed out of the theaters. But uh, the, the, I just don't get. I, I really don't get the southern. What point are you trying to make? Because why are you they, have to, I mean, why are they even? Did they have fifty years almost of material to draw from? Why do they have to change it in their own? I don't know. Well, you, it's, it's, there has to be a point to it. So I'm wondering, what is the point you're trying to make? Why does he have to be Southern? I mean, are you, are, is it, is, is, and I don't know where Julie Tramer is from. I, I've never watched any of her movies, um, or any of her plays. You know, she, everyone raved about The Lion King, but I, I saw it and I'm thinking, oh my God, what is that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when, you know, and then like I saw the trailer for Across the Universe and I, and then I thought, oh my God, can't we just leave the 60s alone? <laughs> Uh, but uh, what do you think of uh, the Coco villain? Oh, Swiss God. Miss. Swiss Miss. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> 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 well, this is good. He's winding up for the pit. It looks pitch. like Electro. It almost looks like Electro with like the pointy thing sticking out of her head. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> it, I mean, if it was Electro, I would be. I, I, uh, I, I don't, what do you say? I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, this is, I mean, who was on drugs when they designed these things? I mean, talk, there, this person was on a serious LSD binge or something. I mean, a lot more stuff than Harry Osborne ever took. Oh. Uh, well, someone that has some theater experiences, Kevin and Stella. Stella, what, do, I mean, what do you think of, I mean, theater costumes have to go over the top a bit, don't they? Yeah. Um, Not this much, though. <laughs> yeah, and it, the fact is that when you can't tell what he's actually trying to portray, I think it's a problem. I think if it were like a legitimate over-the-top Green Goblin, but you could still tell his Green Goblin, then yes. But this is like the creature from the Black Lagoon style. Uh, I'm not really sure. So, I mean, I plan on actually seeing this musical. Uh, I think that it'd be interesting to go see it and then, you know, review it for the crawl space. But awesome. this sort of makes me dread it a little bit. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think, man? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> well, JR brought up that, you know, the original Green Goblin costume looked a bit ridiculous, uh, so why can't this one be flamboyant? My question is, if we're talking about a pink purse and purple pointed booties, why the hell wouldn't that have worked for theater? Uh, that's yeah. flamboyant enough for theater, right? It's true. <laughs> that's true. I have no idea why we're making him a southern gentleman. I hope the point isn't going to be that southerners are evil because it's not the 1860s here. <laughs> um, and when I want the opinion on something like this of, you know, the regular man-on-the-street demographic that you'd think these people would be trying to appeal to, I tend to go to my dad because he's somebody that uh, enjoys comic book movies, uh, superheroes, that kind of thing. But he's never been a comic book reader, so he's not as into it as we are. He can accept changes and those kinds of things. I told him they created a new villain for the Spider-Man musical, and they're calling her Swiss Miss. He gave me a confused, bewildered look and <laughs> said, Isn't that a brand of hot chocolate? Yeah, exactly. This is the opinion of the man on the street, just as much as us. I mean, it's not that we're crazy, it's what the hell. Uh, but I will say, uh, across the universe that Julie Taymor did, I did see it, I own it, it's brilliant, I love that movie. Um, I don't know what the hell happened here, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mr. Bailey, do you have some theater experience? Were you in any plays or anything? Yes. I, okay, I, cool. I, I, did, I did quite a bit of theater in in, um, in high school. I, I have two thoughts on this. The first is I'm not surprised mm-hmm. because I don't want really even in movies and animation. I like it when they adapt the source material or at least stick as closely to the po- as possible to it. But I understand that when you're doing an animated series or you're doing a live action movie or series or even a musical like this, that um, that you're going to want to fit it within the world it lives in. Yeah. And that's fine. And I kind of knew that something was going to be really off about this musical from the very <laughs> beginning. Just it was just a feeling. There, there wasn't it wasn't of anybody who was involved or anything like that. But what the second thought is: this is a comic book adaptation done from the perspective of somebody who thinks they know what comic books are and don't. Are you referencing they, you two or Julie Taymor? Both, yeah. probably. Uh, because it's it, it's like a, a friend of mine, Thomas DJ, will say, you know, th- they got the answer, but they didn't understand the question. Mm. And to their mind, I'm sure it was, well, look, it's like a comic book. And it's not. It's what their BS, pretentious, highfalutin perceptions of a comic book are. Yeah. So they would think this would be awesome, and it's not. I mean, the the Swiss Miss looks like a female version of DC's character Steel on acid, <laughs> and the Green Goblin he looks he looks like one of those little rubber things you find in the stores at at Halloween time that's trying to scare th- people. Yeah. I mean, it looks like crap, <laughs> and. I, I gotta agree with Kevin. What was wrong with the original Goblin costume? Yeah. It was this goofy mask. No offense, Jar. Um, well, well, of course it was. Mask. <laughs> <laughs> it was purple and green, and he 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 was on a little flying sled. I mean, isn't that theatrical enough? Yeah, dude. I don't get it. <sighs> anyway, moving on. That, to that, that's my perception. <laughs> Uh, we're going to hit up another topic. This one is uh, coming out of Columbus, Ohio. And a toy collector by the name of Jim Schultz uh, went into his local Toys R Us. He's a toy toy guy. He uh, was shocked to find on the Toys R Us shelf that they had a packaged Dexter action figure. Now, if you're not familiar with Dexter, it's a uh, uh, cable show. It's on Showtime. It's about a serial killer who kills bad guys and other serial killers, etc. And clearly on the toy it says over 18 and up. And Mr. Schultz contacted his local television station and was outraged that adults were being sold toys uh, in Toys R Us, which he's an adult and he went into the store. So, hmm. Anyway, uh, I... <laughs> This could be. This could apply. They tie it back to Spider-Man. This could t- apply to like a Black Cat Marvel Select figure with a bunch of cleavage. Um, what's another mass murder? A-, a Carnage is a mass murderer for Spider-Man. Mary Jane so- bending over and doing laundry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that was sold in Toys R Us. But anyway, um, let's see. Who have- we start with Bailey last. We'll start with Bailey first. With uh, are you? What do you think of Mr. Schultz? is upset about the Dexter toy in his local Toys R Us. First, I'm sorry, the vast 
I think it's a 50-50 ratio at this point of people mm-hmm. going to Toys R Us to buy action figures or, or, or kids and adults. Yeah. You know, I know in my area that the, the Toys R Us gets hit by the guy that runs the comic shop down the street regularly because that's where he buys his stock. Uh, so you can mark it up a little bit and sell it through his store. So I don't think selling adult figures in Toys R Us is necessarily a bad thing, especially where they put them. They put them not with, like, the DC Universe stuff. They don't put them with the Marvel stuff. They don't put them with, you know, whatever is the hot kid property. They kind of put them in a section that if a kid looked at, wouldn't be interested in in the first place. Yeah. Because it's a bunch of figures they don't want. A kid is not going to want a spirit figure from the the movie. They also in my, in my Toys R Us they put it next to like the Freddy Krueger dolls yeah. and stuff like that, yeah, and the aliens and, my, and predators. And, and my second thought is, I am sick to fucking death <laughs> of these uptight people walking into a public establishment and deciding what should be what behavior and and product should be sold by their messed up reactions to the world it, you know it's it's like when when a freaking bored housewife gets all in a tizzy because her kids are watching mighty Morphin power rangers because they might be violent towards each other so she's got to go on a campaign to stop this you know or the topic from a few months ago where the mom was upset that there was a spider-man comic in her library of mary jane in a bikini or in yeah, a bath I, towel yeah i i you know police your own district is what I'm saying. No. You know, don't try to ruin it for everybody else because I guarantee you a 10-year-old who wants the latest Transformer figure is going to walk by the Dexter thing and go, what's that? That doesn't look cool. Ooh, Transformers. Yeah. Or ooh, G.I. Joe. Or ooh, whatever seemingly endless supply of Spider-Man figure is coming out because that line never seems to end. <laughs> uh, you know, there's Star Wars. Yeah. Everything else is what a kid in Toys R Us is going to be looking for. It's the adult collector that's going to be looking for that. Should Toys R Us put it in a special section, like in the video game with the video games? That might be a good solution, but I, I, I think this guy was overreacting. Oh yeah, I think he wanted his 15 minutes on the local television. Honestly. So anyway, uh, Jr., you're a dad. What do you think of this? Well, my first response would be, get a life, asshole. Uh, <laughs> no, what about the topic? Are you talking to me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was our conversation last month. Oh, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> this month. Okay. Talking about a different asshole this time. Yeah. Uh, this, you know... I, I, I agree with you. This is somebody looking for his 15 minutes of fame, and really we're we're doing him a favor by talking about him when we should just dismiss him for his idiocy. But, you know, I mean, Spencer is nine years old. Uh, he's never going to get to Toys R Us unless his mother or I are with him. So it's not like he's going to – although I did see World's Dumbest Drivers last night, and they had a five-year-old driving, so maybe I better not rule out the fact that he could drive. But where, I, I just don't Spencer see him right driving. Is he in the car? <laughs> yeah, I just don't see him driving to Toys R Us or whatever or, yeah. or conning some other mother into driving him to Toys R Us you know, so he can buy a serial killer doll. Uh, you know, I, again, that's what – you know, this presumes – I mean, this guy presumes – and everybody who who makes this kind of idiotic statement presumes that parents, there's no parents involved, that we let our kids run wild and do what they want, and you know the world is going to hell, and 
and uh, our kids are going to be able to buy this thing. I'm thinking, yeah, right. He can't even reach it probably. So anyway, and besides, I have, by the time he's able to go on his own to this place, he's going to be 16 or 17, all right, I have a 16-year-old daughter who's dating and driving. Mm. I'm sorry. At that age, you're as a parent, you're worrying about a hell of a lot more yeah. <laughs> than whether or not they bring home a Dexter doll. So, you know. As they said in this article that I was reading about, they said that the Joker from the Dark Knight movie is a serial killer. I mean, he kills that guy with a pencil. I mean, what's... what's uh... Well, but, again, the market is just not yeah. always that, – that presumes that Toys R Us only sells to children. It's like going into yeah. – this guy is making it seem like you walk into the Disney store and yeah. find a Dexter figure. Uh, no, you don't find a Dexter figure in the Disney store. You find it in Toys R Us, which yeah. – uh, how high a percentage is probably adult collectors anyway because what kid is going to have he, the money to pay for some of this garbage? He himself is a toy collector, so it's exactly. ironic, I think. So. Exactly. So it's 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 all absurd, and I and I think that you you nailed it correctly. Somebody looking for a little attention. Stella, what's your two cents? Um. Yeah, I think I I, I don't really want to you know be redundant, but it's basically everything that everyone else has said previous to this. I mean, I go in there and I see like Freddy Krueger and everything else, and I think that. I mean, if you're a parent and you have a kid with you, then you can steer them away from that aisle. But like yeah. JR said, you know, a kid is not going to go by himself, him or herself, uh, to the toy store. So, yeah. Kevin, what does this guy want? Does he want the government telling Toys R Us what they can stock in their store? What does he want? What's his end, end goal? Just trying to legislate everything through these little morality idiots is getting way <laughs> the hell out of hand. I, this... Every other day, you've got some quote-unquote concerned parent calling somebody to tell them how to do their business. And this guy seems to miss the point. I agree with JR. It's called Toys R Us. There is an offshoot store called Kids R Us. This ain't it. This is (laughs) Toys R Us. It houses toys. Good luck with the rest of the world if you can't understand that shit. (laughs) But I just don't see a kid going into Toys R Us looking way the hell up uh, you know, past all the other flashy action figures, seeing a pasty white guy with a knife and thinking, gee, I need to go home and call mommy's cable provider and subscribe to Showtime so I can watch Dexter and then go out and kill some people myself. I mean, what the yeah. fuck is this guy thinking is going to happen here? Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right. Moving on to another person that's upset. Uh, Nancy King uh, is running for uh, sen- the Senate in Maryland. And she's involved with the Montgomery County Education Association and is on the school board. And she sent out a mass mailer to her voters that has a picture of three kids reading comic books. Well, actually, two comics and a previews guide. And it says, and the text on the the ad says, "Imagine if they had to lay off teachers." Dot dot dot. See inside for more. Which is basically implying that their sole education will be provided by a comic book. So vote for Nancy King for Senate. So, Stella, we'll start with you. We haven't started with you yet. Uh, what do you think of this uh, mass reader, how she's portraying comics in a negative light? Um, I guess, well, it sort of seems like it's the world. Life in general is sort of coming full circle because this is how they were in the in the beginning, and I'm just sort of reminded of Michael Bailey's intro to um his podcast where, you know, yeah. all these negative views, you know what I'm talking about, and saying, you know, 
these are what things are in comic books, and we're going to talk about why we should not read comic books on tonight's uh, edition of Do Not Views, Read Comic Books. Views from so, the Long Box is brought to you by yeah, Nancy yeah. King. Exactly. So it's it's kind of sad. Go ahead, No, no, I'm just saying it's sad because I think that no, we're not going to rely on comic books to give our children education, but I think that for children with um, illiteracy problems, that it's an easy way and a fun way for them to get to read. So that's it's just a cheap say. shot, I think. I yeah. Think. And isn't it hilarious the kid in the back right is reading a previews guide, which is just yeah, I know that. Of, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, that, I just saw that. I'm like, really? <laughs> Your prop guy sucks. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Not only is one of them a previews guide, the one in the front is the X-Men Curse of the Mutant Saga. And if you've read any of these oh. free saga comics, they're mostly text. <laughs> it's not a comic book. So There's that person went into a comic free. book and was cheap, and all they bought was a Superman, and they got <laughs> two free comics to go with it. Or a previews and a free saga book that probably has more text than most of the kids' books he would be reading in school. <laughs> Bailey, oh talk a bit about this. this. As Stella said, this has been plagued by comics forever since their inception. You know, every you know, yeah, pretty much, pretty much since the the dawn of the medium. Yeah, uh, you know, experts, quote unquote, have come out and saying that comics are going to promote illiteracy. And I, gu- I guess the theory there is is that if kids are reading comic books, they're not reading quote unquote real books. You know, mm-hmm. and even publishers were of the opinion that the only people uh, reading their books were kids and a few illiterate adults. But what what makes me laugh is that she, either she or her campaign manager thought that this was going to work, and. <laughs> In a day and age where Iron Man and uh, Dark Knight and all these other big budget, huge superhero movies are, are, are dominant in the in, in the theaters, and comics still aren't getting the respect that they really deserve. But you know, you go into Barnes and Noble, and there's a, a you know like one or two shelves of comics, and then 16 shelves of manga right next to it. You know that 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 she was going to use this visual to scare her, scare the voters into voting for her because that's all this was. This was a scare tactic. It's what politicians yeah. have been doing since the beginning of time. You know, she's trying to convince people that if we keep laying off teachers, kids are kids are just going to go completely apeshit and be stupid, and all they're going to want to do is 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 sit down and read comics and. You know, some comics out there are, are more literate than a lot of the novels they could be reading that are coming out today. Yeah. I mean, at, at the heart, though, is basically at least the kids are reading something. It's like, the you know, parents that get upset about Harry Potter novels. Your kids are reading several hundred-page books, you know, probably for the first time in their existence. Why are you getting upset about exactly. this? It just it just infuriates me. It really does. It, it makes me think that this woman shouldn't even be in the position she's currently in, much less be voted into the position she wants to be in. Yeah. Jr. This arrives in your uh, mailbox. What do you do? <laughs> Laugh my ass off. Oh, <laughs> 
you, you know, I, I'm going to, I, I, you know, it, 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 to me, the issue is not so much, I mean, this is just an absurd thing. And, and she, and she wrote back, actually, she wrote to somebody and said, well, it really wasn't her fault. It was one of her workers who took, took this mailer and put her message on this mailer and she never saw it. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, but it, it really, it's more, it's, it, what's disturbing about it is not the fact that, you know, she's using comic books. It's the typical politician using, like Michael said, the scare tactic, the quick soundbite, you know, to try to scare you into action. Uh, you know, and, and that's what, you know, politics, I you know I hate it when politicians do that, which is one reason I hate politicians, you know, and, and, but the thing is, you know, they think people are going to buy this, you know, and it's not, but she'll get reelected probably because people are always reelected idiots, philanderers, drunks, crooks, and senile old men, and then complaining about the government they get. So, <laughs> um, but the thing is, it's not even an effective message really when you think about it because mm-hmm. if, imagine if they had to lay off teachers. Okay, think about what, what would happen if they had to lay off teachers. You got, you've got bigger classrooms. Um, you know, you have, maybe you have, you know, have kids not going to school, hanging on the street, not getting individual attention. I mean, it seems like the message could have been made much more effectively than this. And also as, cause I first saw this on, um, on Peter David's website, yeah. uh, when, when he said, and of course, if anybody knows Peter David, I mean, you know, I mean, th- this guy is a flaming liberal, uh, you know, to the point of Vesuvius. I mean, uh, <laughs> and, and he said that he would vote Republican, you know, against yeah. this. Um, but people were saying, but the Maryland school curriculum or there, or it's like a reading program that involves comics. So, the, this politician or and or her workers are showing ignorance of what's even going on in the school system, but yet they're saying we can't lay off teachers because this thing, bad thing will happen. But oh, by the way, we don't even have an idea what the hell they're doing anyway. Yeah. So it's it's not so much the you know I'm offended because I'm a comic book reader or anything. It's just this this tells us everything about politicians and the type of government we get. Yeah. And uh, you know, folks, I'm sorry if you buy this crap, you know, and you vote for this person. Then you have no reason to complain, you know, uh, once she gets in office and does a whole bunch of stupid things. Well, it's a nice visual scare tactic, isn't it? I mean, well, it's, that's I, what I, she I went for. It's even a scare tactic. It's hilarious. It's, I mean, it's just. I mean, for us in the know, if you're an 80 year old woman, which the voters are made up of older people, the, the turnout rate is what, 10 to 15% generally everywhere. If you're a 70, 80 year old woman or a man that sees this and they're like, oh, hell, we better vote for her, do you think. This seventy or or eighty year old crowd would uh, buy into this scare tactic, or they'd see. Well, I don't. If I were seventy or eighty years old, I'd be more. I would be scared if I saw a picture of a teenager on the street with like a crack pipe, yeah. or you know, holding a gun ready to hold me up and steal my social security, which I just took out of my bank. If I'm old, that shit scares me. This this doesn't scare me. <laughs> that makes you me know? laugh. <laughs> again, exactly. Again, it's like if you're trying to scare that demographic, you know. Again, you could have done it far more effectively. Uh, again, it's it's kind of like what in the world were they thinking? So, yeah. Kev, what do you think, buddy? Oh my God, where to start? Um, first of all, what a crap politician do you have to be that for your campaign you have to go past? The economy, terrorism, uh, gay rights, all this. And the best you can say about the issue of teachers is that kids might end up reading comic books. Yeah. 
Then you have the research for this, which, you know, we've mentioned one of them. There's three comics here. One of them is a previews book, which ain't a comic. <laughs> one of them is a saga book, which ain't a comic. The only one that's an actual comic is Superman number 700, partially written by J. Michael Straczynski, who's won awards for his novel writing, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, this has got to be, it was the stupidest idea to begin with, and then they went even stupider with the way they actually executed the campaign. Mm-hmm. And then i got to mention a story from Josh Bertoni, uh, one of our you know great message board posters. He's contributed to the podcast. He did the uh, Joe Casada interview from a few episodes ago. Uh, he, uh, as, as his profession, takes care of kids. And one of the kids he takes care of uh, has a lot of behavioral problems. And one thing they were trying to do with him, especially the school, uh, wanted him to read for at least 30 minutes per night. They were really trying to get him to start reading. And he would throw tantrums 10 minutes into reading and just pretty much have to be wrestled to the ground. So uh, Mr. Bertoni went to the comic shop, picked up an old issue of Spidey Super Stories. just one of those comics with just a bunch of stories in it. Gave this comic to the kid, and he sat there and read it for 40 minutes on his own. Nice. I mean, this is what comics can do for kids. Comics are good for literacy. Comics are good for educating kids. It's a very useful tool. A lot of the people I know in our you know comic book circles, uh, probably a couple people on this podcast, learn to read through comic books. I and did. Yeah. Yeah, most of us still read comic books. We also read books. We read magazines. We read news. You know, we are literate people. Comic books are a very good educational tool. And like was already brought up, her specific freaking school district has a deal with Diamond to get comics into the schools. (laughs) So this is just... the complete ignorance of this woman is amazing. <laughs> I have actually found a politician that would make me vote for Sarah Palin if she was running against this. <laughs> and that is impressive. Wow. Nice. All right. I think we've summed that one up pretty good. Uh, our other topic is a interview. I, I think it was at San Diego. I could be wrong where the interview took place. Uh, Comic Book Syndicate interviewed uh, the artist writer Darwin Cook. Uh, known for his uh, DC work mainly, uh, he did the New Frontier, uh, Justice League. I guess is that what Justice League New Frontier? It became uh, a, that, that was the name of the movie. The actual yeah. comic was DC New Frontier. He's, okay, he to tie this into Spider-Man, he has done some Spider-Man work. He did uh, Spider-Man Tangled Web number eleven from April two thousand two, called Open All Night. It is a Spider-Man Valentine's Day story. He also did Spider-Man's Tangled Web number twenty-one from February two thousand three, which was a Spider-Man Christmas story called Twas the Fight Before Christmas which featured uh, Crystal Medusa the Wasp and the Invisible Woman along with Spider-Man. Basically, Darwin Cook was asked uh, if he's going to be working for DC or Marvel in the future, and he he went off a bit about how um, both of the companies need to stop catering to 45-year-old men, etc. JR, I know you, you, you found this one really good. What did you think of this one, man? Well, it's like it's like is he talking to me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I resemble that remark. Um, but uh, you, you know, I, I, I actually getting getting besides the fact that then I wondered, well, what age groups perversions does he want them to cater to? Um, he makes a damn good point, and I'm glad he said so. In fact, I think didn't he mention somewhere 
either in it, maybe not in the video, but there, I know there was a reference to like Spider-Man having sex a lot in the, you know, in the yeah. comics. Where, um, where did he mention that? I didn't see that. I don't honestly don't remember. It was yeah. like, but it was, it was with the video embed. I mean, Stella, you, apparently you saw it, right? Does it sound yes. familiar to you? Yes, sir. Well, he talks yeah. about how he's upset with Batman having sex with Black Canary. I mean, that could easily yeah. substitute Spider-Man Black Cat. But he's right. I mean, we were how many we were all complaining about Shed for yeah. you know some of its stuff. I mean, you know, you are stronger. Take me, I'm yours. Yeah. Uh, and then the brawl flying, and then the, we've all complained about the casual relationship between Spider-Man and the Black Cat. Um, you know, and and you kind of wonder who is this appealing to? You know, and and it, and and it's like the, they're living vicariously, trying to live vicariously through this young character. So. You know, Mr. Cook, I'm glad somebody said it. You know, I'm, but, I'm really glad. How, how do you balance it between the the kids and us? Mm, what do you? What, what I do mean, you mean, how do you how do you produce entertainment that is? Well, I guess Pixar is a good example to answer my own question. But how do you balance entertainment that is all ages and not just forty well, five year old entertainment? <sighs> Well, I mean, I, th- I think you just said. I mean, basically, it takes intelligence. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you just you just you just mentioned Pixar. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of things that you know people can 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 watch together and uh, you know with their families. Maybe, maybe not enough. Yeah. But uh, it, it's you have to want to provide that kind of entertainment. Yeah. You know, and 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 you got to think: is it really? Is this stuff really necessary to entertain people? You know, it, to me, it's like profanity in you know, like when you hear profanity in a comic routine, for example. Uh, you, you know, I listen to Sam Kinison, and Sam Kinison uses pro, pro, or used. He's dead, but he used profanity, but he was as funny as hell because it was. It was in with a story that he was telling, and it yeah. was usually about pain and human misery. Whereas I've heard Eddie Murphy do his, and it's awful because all it is is cuss words, and it means nothing. You know, Andrew Dice mm-hmm. Clay. So I mean, the sex in the books is not—it's not meaningful. I mean, it's so really. Why are they putting it in there? They're just putting it in there to titillate themselves. So you know, how do you appeal to all ages? Well. You know, it, it's you, you. You look and see what they really want, and don't just write stuff that you know that you can take down in your basement and you know yeah. for a couple private moments with. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of an expert with private moments, uh, Mr. Bailey, what do you think of uh, the situation? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> wow, worst segue ever. I, I know, uh, I know, that was the best segue. I got nothing. What do you think? You, you should have used that against the single guy instead of the married guy. I mean. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting that to go to me, and I was going to have to beat your ass. The, um, Zach's not here. What am I going to do? When I uh, when I saw this video, uh, my first thought was, wow, he articulated just about every thought I've been having about current comics uh, in, in a nice little minute-and-a-half soundbite. And, you know, JR is like, are they ta- is he talking about us? And my answer to that is no. He's he's talking about the creators involved who are, you know, they're writing adult comics, but adult comics from the perception of what a 15-year-old would think is an adult thing to do. And, yeah, I don't want to see Batman and Black Canary having sex on a rooftop randomly. You know, I don't want to see him feeding Robin rats. You know, I don't need to see Dr. Light 
who was a pretty innocuous character getting turned into basically his move is he's super rapist now. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's all any writer will will talk about with Dr. Light is ooh he rapes women and he's really sick and twisted. Let's watch a couple episodes of Law and Order Special Victims Unit uh to do some <laughs> research on this and and then we'll have him act like that. It it, it it's or or to tie it into Spider Man the bed hopping. Or the bed hopping. The yeah. To answer your question, though, how do you make it all ages? You deal with mature themes, but you do it in a way that you're exploring the topic. You're not making it a very special issue, but that, you know, uh, like a 10-year-old could read it and probably not understand the subtext going on there, but there's enough else in in the issue that uh, that that can get them what they want out of it if they want to see superheroes fighting supervillains. There you go. Uh, or you explore the theme to the point where maybe that 12, 13, 14-year-old starts thinking about it for the first time. You know, I never really considered, when I was a teenager, I never really considered, the you know, the homeless problem or domestic abuse or everything, but they would talk about it in the Superman comics I was reading, mm-hmm. and it would get me thinking. And I think if you do it like that, then you can have it both ways. Yeah. Stella, what do you think? Oh, I was just going to read to you what um, what JR was talking about. Mm-hmm. It's actually coming from the person who uh, sort of compiled the entire article. So he was saying that, uh, me, I enjoy All-Star Batman in the way I believe it was intended as an over-the-top sitcom, and I have thoroughly enjoyed Rucka and Williams Third on Batwoman and consider it not a mature reader's thing at all to have a leading lesbian character in a book. And, frankly, I have more problems with Spider-Man's bed-hopping of late. So he was. So he thinks that's worse than you know the things going on. Um, I missed the lesbian comment. I, I didn't get to that, but I do agree with everything else that he was saying. Um, I don't necessarily think that uh, he should have been so intense as to call every comic book reader a forty-five perverted male. But um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there are some intense things that are sort of unnecessary, and I don't really. Um, see the point in them and there are really good comics that don't have that stuff at all like Batgirl is pretty wholesome I mean she may um, say have some asterisks in a word from time to time but you know they're they're, that's sort of the most extreme so if if this yeah no I was just going to say if this gets if this gets to creators and, and they sort of change around without getting really insulted then maybe it'll have done a good thing so Kev what do you think man uh, I think he makes a lot of good points. I think not all of them are phrased as well as they could be. Um, the whole perverted needs of 45-year-old men thing really could have been phrased better, but I see where he's coming from. Um, I, I agree with him on a lot of this. We don't need to see Batman fucking Black Canary, and we uh, don't want to see him feeding a boy rats. Um, and I even agree, although I don't think it's really nearly the same issue, about uh, turning established straight characters into lesbians. He, I think part of this has been misunderstood. He doesn't say anything about not wanting lesbian characters. Uh, he's not insulting Batwoman or uh, Renee Montoya, those characters that were created to be lesbians. He actually says in the interview uh, what they need to do is be creative and create new characters uh, rather than turning established characters that way. Um, I don't know. I, I agree with, with a lot of it. Um, but, yeah, I think some of his phrasing could have been better. 
Yeah. Is it is it a problem of the limited distribution is making the the 45 year old men write the comics for the 45 year old men? I mean, those are the, we're the ones still around that buy this stuff. I think there's a problem with um, some of the views of the people writing that they're more writing for themselves, and I think one of the problems is trying to get comic books taken seriously, uh, which is a good thing, but I think the way some people tend to go about it is to write them just like their favorite TV shows or movies, which, you know, might have a... might be on at 10 o'clock at night and be targeted towards uh, just adults, really. I mean, you asked earlier how what's the... uh, how do you make them for both kids and adults? It's not difficult. Comics has been doing that for decades. I mean, yeah. there's ways to even have it so the adults know uh, or at least believe that two characters had sex, but you do it in a tasteful way that the kid doesn't get it. Uh, so it, it is not a very difficult thing, and there's actually a lot of good books out there that I uh, would have no problem handing to a kid, but I can enjoy myself. Like, yeah. uh Stella brought up Batgirl is a good example, that kind of thing. But there's there's a lot of st- and even even some of the good mainstream stuff that for the most part I'd be fine handing to a kid. Even some of that I'm getting a little bit bothered by some of the ultra violence going on and some of it that I don't feel like needs to be there. Yeah. Do you think any parent reads the rating on the front of a comic? I think if they do, they're going to have to do about. 30 to 40 minutes of research on what the hell that particular rating means Yeah. Um, from Marvel, and then on DC's side, it's pretty much approved by the Comics Code. What the hell does that mean anymore? Yeah. I mean, some of the books they put approved by the Comics Code on, it's like, well, what does the Comics Code not like these right. days, then? I mean, JR, you're a parent. Do you, you look for the rating on the comics, or... I mean, I don't uh, even know what an A means, because an A was on that Shed book where everybody was getting raped. Apparently, according to Steve Wacker, A means ages 9 and up, though how you get that from an A and not like a 9, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm not familiar with comic book ratings. I mean, I'm familiar with video game ratings, for example, because I always, yeah. you know. But, Those make uh, sense. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, so I don't know. But do I, I will, basically, I've got a kind of got an idea what books have appropriate content. Now, to be honest, and I usually like try to go through them. Because, like, for example, when we were we were going through some old Batman issues once at a comic store because he was wanting an old Batman issue. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, you know, would thumb through, you know, whatever, you know, whatever caught his fancy, you know. And, yeah. and uh, but, you know, I don't, that, not, that's not a foolproof way of catching things. Right. But, uh but you know, it's like it's like I scan the material, for example, to make sure that it's appropriate. But unfortunately, I there's things I let my son watch which I probably shouldn't let him watch. So <laughs> I don't know what kind of a good parent I really am. But oh, you're good. But, you, um, all right. Um, do we get everybody on that one? Mm-hmm. I, I think we did. We all went around. All right. I think it's time for reviews. You guys ready? We got two issues this month. Uh, part two of One Moment in Time, Amazing Spider-Man number 639. One moment in time. Thank you, Whitney. Uh, <laughs> now, now your time, now it's Kevin's turn to be Bobby. Uh, that was a little meaner than I meant to say, actually. <laughs> uh, 639 written by Joe Quesada, uh, Pablo Rivera, I think is doing the artwork. Paolo. Paolo Rivera. There's no B. <laughs> and, um, 
Let's start with Stella, 639. Okay. What do you think? I'm, go- I'm going to shock everyone and say that huh? I really like this. Um, really? I, yes. Uh, I thought it was a really powerful issue with a lot of um, emotional moments and conversations. Uh, I think my top two moments were probably Peter and MJ talking. Um, you know, Peter had his messed up face, though I still can't explain why his eye was all um, – the eye of the mask was all messed up. I didn't understand that. But – and MJ was in her wedding because it seemed like such a realistic conversation of why she would have dumped him that she just couldn't handle it. I thought it was pretty powerful. And then the other top moment, uh, just Peter in the hospital room, um, not necessarily him actually reviving Aunt May, but just the way the panels were set up. Um, it was just really emotional, the tears coming down and the, the beep at the end. Uh, my con, I thought that the intro was too self-chastising. Um, you know, I was just like, less whining, more swinging, Spidey, you know, more action. But, um, oh, and my other con, the fact that Marvel used the we want um, or... MJ says, I won't get married to you unless you take off the, uh, take off the mask, basically. So, that was just a way for Marvel that they will, he will never get married again because he will never lay down the suit of Spider-Man. So I thought that was a little, uh, slap in the face. But anyways, I would give this an A minus. I actually thought it was a pretty good issue. Wow. And, Mr. Bailey, what do you think, buddy? It was a very well written issue. My entire, problem with this story in general is the fact that we're getting all of these emotional moments from Mary Jane seeing how, you know, she broke up with him because, or she, she couldn't marry him because he was Spider-Man and, you know, it, it's kind of on Peter that, you know, cause he has to be who he is and she can't handle it. Fact of the matter is none of this would have happened if Mary Jane hadn't sold her soul to the, sold them out to the Mephisto. Yeah. None of this would have happened without that happening. All of what Mary Jane's going through is her own damn fault. <laughs> and that yeah. bugs the crap out of me once I started thinking about it like that. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it, it was well written. It was well drawn. Uh, you know, she, you know, and then here, here's here's my least favorite part of the issue. My father was abusive. Now, I know you'll never hit our kids, but I can't put them through what they do. So cops and firefighters should never have kids because it's abusive to, t- towards the kids to have, because they go out and put their lives on the line every night. You know, it's it's a little different because they're not fighting supervillains, but a firefighter can go to any fire that they have to fight. That didn't come out as well as I wanted it to, but, you know, <laughs> they can go to any fire and end up dying or getting hurt or, you know, coming out scarred. You know, really... Mary Jane just comes off, uh, uh, you know, I, I understand her reasoning, but again, it all comes back to the fact that if she hadn't made the deal with Mephisto, then none of this would have happened. Yeah. So that I, I'm, I'm giving it a D because of that, because I right. can't enjoy it anymore because of just that overall uh, opinion of the piece. Well, in my, my opinion, I, I, I think the, the thing over – Shadowing or the pink elephant in the room or the, the red bird in the room is that Mary Jane and Peter still made a deal with the devil and that has not been addressed if they're gonna undo, if the devil is ever gonna lose, which is what I think everybody wants, right? Yes. I mean, what, that's the main thing that I want to be resolved and I, I don't think they're gonna do it. I don't think they're gonna do it in this arc at all. So. Uh, d- we got an A minus and a D plus, or just a D, out of you. Just a D. Just a D. Jr., where do you rank? What do you think? Oh uh, well, I tell you, I uh, 
when I was first reading this, mm-hmm. I was actually kind of enjoying it because I thought, you know, this this is kind of a realistic conversation that we didn't get when they went through it the first time. You know, I mean, when they actually got married or whatever, uh, you know, sitting down and talking about um, just what the risks are going to be in this relationship. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen that originally. So I was kind of glad to see this, but then it all completely fell apart for me when she said she wanted to have kids. It all completely fell apart because then, first of all, I mean, if you know Mary Jane's character, the fact that she has been imagining having kids ever since she fell in love with Peter, I don't think so. I don't think that's in character. But then Peter says, MJ, I didn't know. You never told me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, you know, Brad, when, when, you, when, when your wife was just girlfriend, crawl space, didn't mm-hmm. you have uh, the conversation? I yes. Mean, I had an ultimatum. Yeah. Oh, this relationship is over as of now if you don't want to have kids. Yeah. Mr. Bailey, have you had the I mean, not prior to your personal life, have you had the conversation? I think all couples have yes. that conversation, yeah. Yes, uh, actually, you know, we had it, a year-and-a-half argument. Uh, yeah. So. And not only, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Or, but no, 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 it, no, no, and no, no. It, it's, it's like, but <laughs> she would have had this conversation because it's like, dude, you have radioactive blood. You know, <laughs> it's like. Well, Peter, they, how, they did have this conversation, didn't they, in Spider-Man 15 with Eric Larson drawing it? He went to the Beast, didn't he? Yeah, he went to the Beast, but it <laughs> was... Sounds I, like a euphemism, actually. <laughs> but, but he was already married at this time. Yeah, you know? I know, but... And it was the kid debate. But, I mean, the kid debate is something you have before. So, one, she would have had this conversation, Peter, can, is it even safe to, you know, couple with you? Is it, even, is it safe to have a child with you? Uh, and, and that's why, I mean, I... I remembered. I, I, I think you guys do. We. St- I remember still getting the RH test. You know. I mean. W- I mean. I've been married for more than twenty years, probably longer than you guys. But did you have to still have the RH test before you got your marriage license? I did not. No, they, they uh, stopped doing the blood test a couple years before I got married. Oh really? Oh yeah. okay. Yes. I, well, did, I didn't have to have it either. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, there, go, there goes that then, because uh, that was one of my. I was going to complain about that because again, it's something you have to dis, you had to discuss beforehand because you had the RH test. Uh, so the whole idea that they didn't talk about it before is just, I mean, I mean, talk about this is science. That's science fiction. That's more science fiction than than you know Star Trek or Star Wars. I mean, that's awful. And then when Mary Jane decides that she can't. She can't marry Peter as long as she's Spider-Man because she can't, you know, live with everything. But she can live with it, live with if they just shack up. You know, it's like she's not going to be in any less danger if she shacks up with him. You know, it's 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 and then they and then they kiss and make up. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry if I didn't show up to my wedding, for example, there would be no kissing and making up. There would only be an obituary, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's like they're just both. It's it's the they're both okay of it, you know. She goes, "Hey, want to go to Paris?" And then he says something silly, and she goes, "Oh, that's Spanish, you dope," and they kiss. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, you, you, oh my, Jesus oh. Christ! So, so out of character, it, uh, unrealistic. Oh God! And then the end. When he gives Aunt make chest compressions and brings her back, first of all, we went through this whole deal that nothing could save her, not even Doc Strange, nothing could save her, but somebody doing chest compressions can. And this is a super-powered being 
in a 70-year-old, 70-something-year-old woman. You guys know if you do CPR, you are going to break some ribs or break the sternum or something. Even if you do it right, there's that there's that risk Unless that you're going you to have that. the power of love. <laughs> that's not till next issue. Don't get started. On, that's oh, not till next issue. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a curious <laughs> thing. Oh, but it's it's like you know. Again, would would you even do a chest compression on someone that old? You know, it's it, it, it this. You know, I give this an F. J.J. Jameson Sr. did. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. God. oh I didn't oh, even know what that meant, but now I do. Is that what they're calling it these days? <laughs> chest compressions? Hey, baby, let me give you a chest compression. So we have an A, a D, D, and an F. Mary, and he knows this, but he writes this anyway. I'm just yeah. befud- befuddled. Bef- all right. Kevin, are you, are you hitting it with a B to, or a C to get in the middle of all of it? Have you ever spoken to me before? Brad? Yes, I have. You're getting <laughs> this is an F uh, out of Kevin Cushing. <laughs> oh God, is is flaming turd a grade? I mean, that that's what the F stands for here, folks. I give it an F, and it stands for flaming fucking turd. Wow. Um, my I'll give you a like on this one just to start off with. Paolo Rivera's art looked pretty nice. Um, except I do take exception to Aunt Anna all of a sudden being Asian. I'm not sure where that's She's that came Asian? From. What are you talking about? Look at this art. Look at her eyes. I swear to God, Aunt Anna is Asian in this comic book, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I see what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Oh, I don't know what's going on there, well, but it's fun. she's squinting in one picture. I see what she's She's squinting in every picture. <laughs> she needs glasses. I don't know. Um, but And it's it's panels. There's no reason for her to be squinting. It looks like she's trying to offer... Well, look at the panel next to... Egg roll. Look at the... Oh, ouch. Look at the one next to Aunt Anna on the top of the right-hand page. Mary Jane squinting, too, for... <laughs> well, you know, they are related, so... Oh. Uh, <laughs> wow. Anyway. What, she does look let me just verbatim the note I took when I was reading this. Yeah. Holy shit, who is this redhead and where is MJ? <laughs> The redhead that appears in Amazing Spider-Man number 639, you know, I don't know how much of an asshole Peter is for not showing up to his wedding and then shacking up with the next random redhead that shows up at his door, but that ain't Mary Jane. I know Mary Jane. I've read Mary Jane. Uh, That is no Mary Jane. This woman uh, compares him being Spider-Man to her abusive father. My God. She wants him to give up being Spider-Man to marry her. What a selfish bitch. She wanted kids from the time she fell in love with him, except for, uh, I think it was again Josh Bertoni on our message board pointed out a comic from four years after they were married where she said, oh, God, no, I'm not ready to have kids yet. So, <laughs> not Mary Jane. Um, this This woman is not Mary Jane, and that's really the only way they could have pulled off this arc and have them split like this is if we completely change the character. And not only that, we have to offend every religious person that might read this comic by saying marriage is just a piece of paper, and if you're not going to have babies, there's no reason to get married. If you're not going to have babies, right the hell away, by the way. And Quesada works very hard to write every writer in the future into a corner by saying that... Uh, he can never get married. He can never have kids. And if they do, they're going against this little heartfelt conversation they had, and it turns Peter into an asshole if he even thinks about it. This is just 
terrible bullshit. And then in the end, oh my god, um, I'm no doctor, folks. <laughs> I, I don't have a medical degree, but can CPR really heal bullet wounds? <laughs> We've got this woman dying of a bullet wound. She starts coding, he gives her CPR, she's back to life, everything's peachy. What about her fucking bullet wound? Did he heal that with his chest compressions? Does he have super spidey healing powers now? What the hell just happened there? And Steve Wacker confirms Mephisto had nothing to do with bringing her back in that moment. It was all Peter Parker, which makes it complete bullshit. I, did, I didn't see that. Is that another asterisk to the story? It was on... That we have uh, to explain in the letter pages again? It was something somebody linked to on our board from CBR. Somebody on the CBR I hate forum that. asked I hate about that, that and he that. said uh, it was not Mephisto. It was all Peter Parker because up till then we assumed well Mephisto intervened and held up his part of the bargain at that exact moment when Peter gave her CPR. According to Steve Wacker, not the case. So this gets an F F F F F F F. Fuck this shit. <laughs> What do you think, Kevin? No, um, I pretty much I'm going to give this one a C also like I did the previous issue. I, I agree with everything everyone said, and, and this is definitely an out-of-character Mary Jane. We're, we're setting up a character that I love. I've loved her for 30 years, and I think she's stronger than this. I think she's willing to risk the danger for to support the man she loves. I don't see her – I can see her upset being stood up on her wedding day, but I don't, I, I just don't see her so bitchy. And I, I agree with JR. The, the, the kid conversation with a guy with radioactive semen has got to be topic number one on the second date. Have you read Spider-Man Reign? <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, she's <laughs> been with this character for, in continuity, at least what, 10 years, I would guess. And she's been through it all. She's been abducted, but she loves this man. Etc. And and I just don't see her this selfish, and I don't see her this dumb to not have a conversation with Peter about kids. And I just don't. And and as I said last month, it, it hurts. It hurts to read this. And since you consider these two people your friends, I mean they're fictional characters, but if you've been with them this long, they feel like you're some of your best friends. And to see the, the lovers break up like this. So poorly is just painful. However, that is some good-looking artwork, isn't it? Anyway, I, a C out of me. Let's do uh, 640, which has a beautiful-looking cover of him holding Mary Jane on a lamp post. Let's start with uh, Mr. Bailey first on this one, which has a cameo by Tom Brevoort in it also. Yeah, that's actually one of my notes. Is that Tom Brevoort there? That's well, Tom that's... Brevoort, yes. <clears throat> wow. I know they want to write themselves into the story, but I think that's yeah. taking it a little literally. Um, I, I'm going to give this one a C. Okay. Because, uh, you know, I already knew that how I felt about the story in general. Um, it, you know, it wasn't, again, wasn't poorly written. Uh, characters were acting out of character. I think the whole, you know, it was more of an action comic than, than, than two people sitting down and talking. I guess my biggest problem with this is that he unmasks the, the hitman 
at the end of the uh, towards the end of the story, and it's the guy that hit him in the head with a brick years and years and years ago, and that smacked a little too much of him finding the, the 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 guy that killed Uncle Ben, and ooh, it's the guy I let go, you know, a couple days ago, and he and so this is all my fault. The parallels there bugged me for some reason. I really can't put on my finger finger on why, but I I, I just. I just don't like the entire point of this story because, one, I think it's a couple years too late. And, two, it seems like they're throwing this out there going, okay, here's the explanation. Now we're going to move on. Because it seems like after this they're not going to touch on the, the, the subject anymore. And, three, so it was Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, and Mr. Fantastic that made everyone forget. Wow. Haven't Iron those Man. Douche, haven't those douchebags done enough? Yeah, yeah, Tony Stark. I meant to say Tony Stark, and I said yeah. Reed Richards. How did, haven't these guys really done enough with with the with the uh, whole Civil War thing? Really, you <laughs> jackasses! I, I just I just didn't care for the book all that much, but I didn't absolutely hate it like I did the previous issue. So it gets a C. Yeah, and uh, Jr. You wrote an article about uh, Peter and Tony Stark's father son relationship. What do you think of Tony Stark getting involved with this? Well. I- because they, you know, they, they, you know, they you hate know, each other at, at this point in their lives, I think. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I would almost have to defer this question until I actually read the fourth part. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get a chance to pick it up this weekend and just see how Stark is. I mean, I saw the previews or whatever, but the previews don't really tell you much. And just see how Stark is brought into it before I really comment on that uh, yeah. from that that perspective uh but yeah it's right i mean it, it's not like uh it's the, the the you know stark would be like extremely pissed off at him right now yeah. so <laughs> he's not likely to do him any favors right um anyway. what's your two cents on the issue though oh god another bad one uh <laughs> not quite not quite as bad as the previous one because you just you didn't have the whole you know faux mer- the whole the whole kid talk thing, which was just completely, completely just so wrong headed. I can't even describe it, but you know, you've got the kingpin and you know, Spider-Man just beat him to within an inch of his life. Well, he must have super healing powers because he's up and about and text messaging people. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and, and it's not like that changed, you know, with this, this fractured timeline because the, uh, the, 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 the hitter says, you know, that, he, the kingpin and Spider-Man went there 15 rounds or something like that. So, so anyway, how the cow's the kingpin even setting up? I mean, he's, he yeah. was beat almost, you know, I wouldn't say almost to death, but he was beaten severely. So one, and, and then what gets, there's another thing that really bothered me is the whole, when the, the character, when the hitter is about to shoot Aunt Anna and says it's your niece's fault because she ought to know better than to knock boots with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I can adequately explain why that bothered me so much, but to me that is so what's wrong with One More Day is because that's basically all she was doing now. Mm. You know, the whole marriage thing, the whole, you know, they've supposedly been together for years. I mean, the whole one of the strengths of that relationship was all these things they've been through. You know, as a couple. I mean, they thought, you know, well, I guess now it is. I mean, they lost their own child. You know, and I mean, so this was, I mean, these people had been through some powerful stuff in this relationship, but now it's all reduced to she was just not, you know, it's different than if it's different if someone kills your wife as opposed to if he kills your girlfriend. Mm 
Yeah. I don't know if I can explain that, but I mean, I think no, I as married guys could say that, you know. Yeah. So the drama in this thing is gone, and the meaning in this is gone. Uh, and again, you know, if she's just knocking boots with spy, which again, none of this would have happened because if they did not get married, I'm sorry, you don't. Maybe it's just me. You don't recover from that. That, that, yeah. that, you know, watch. So when they're in the clone saga, did she go ahead and go to Oregon with it or Portland with him? You know, mm-hmm. even though she was just shacking up with him, <laughs> you know, did she yeah. make that move? I mean, there's so many things wrong. And then for Spider-Man to say, I, if I hadn't revealed my secret identity and it's like, you know, and this was a problem I had with Civil War. No, dumbass. That's not the problem. The problem is you went on the lamb. And you pulled your family out of Avengers Mansion, out of the Avengers Tower. You know, it had nothing to do with your secret identity. You friggin' moron. You know, you went on the lamb because (laughs) you, because you became a left wing, limp wristed liberal. You know, (laughs) not because, you know, and and so this is just, it was an awful issue, you know, but. Not quite as despicable as the previous one, so I, I'm going to let up on this and just give it a D. My problem with it is, I, probably like you, JR, I have problems fitting in where this hits, where this goes, what is real, what is fake. I mean, was the baby real? Did, as you said, did they go to Portland? What's real, what's not? I mean, if they're going to pick and choose, that's... And according to whatever I've read, the only thing that's changed is he missed the wedding date. And a bird hit the door opener on, for the, the burglar, or not the burglar, the, 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 the fat man. I don't know. What's real and what's fake? I mean, that just doesn't really work. And I, I wanna, I wanna amend something here before, yeah. you know, I get pummeled with some things, maybe deservedly so. When I made the disparaging comments about liberals, okay, I wasn't talking about just the fact that being, being liberal is, you know, limp-wristed or stupid or whatever. It's the fact that they, the way they wrote Spider-Man, he wasn't upset about killer clones. Mm-hmm. He wasn't upset about deals with Norman Osborn. He was upset about the, sup- the supervillain Gulag. You know, so they picked a bogus issue for him to be upset about, you know, instead of the real issues that would have probably driven him to do what he did. So anyway... Yeah. Uh, let's get some positivity. Stella, what did you think? <laughs> let's get Apparently, some... I'm the only yeah. one that liked these issues. This yeah. Time. Um, well, I didn't like this one as much as, um, 639. Um, I did like Mary Jane actually fighting, and I think being a strong character again, than just sort of being wimpy, you know, she fought back against that, uh, that creeper in the, um, the macho libre, um, mask um you know however fantastical it is i I think it was very smart for the story um of spider-man to have sort of a ring composition because if you think about it at the very beginning spider-man wet for whatever reason let the burglar go and then the burglar was the one that killed his uncle and then here we have this guy well he escaped but now he's coming back again so it's kind of a neat ring composition um and the con while i like the fact that there was ring composition I didn't actually like the um, the ring composition uh, just because the burglar. I think this burglar was just a terrible plot point. You know, having a fat man fall on you is just very embarrassing. <laughs> so uh, I think a B for this one. Okay, Kev. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I don't know how she got a B out of that. I'm sorry, <laughs> but we. Uh, I'll, I'll give another like. 
Only if Rivera's art still counts. Uh, yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> that's really all I got. That cover's uh, pretty. Yeah, that's Rivera still. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we start off the issue with Huey Lewis and the News. That's the power of love, baby. Which is what is going to be the opening song for this month, by the way. Oh, God, I was hoping. Uh, you, you have to, really. You have to. Yep. Um, that was some of the most ridiculous. <laughs> this doctor sits there and says, the power of love brought her back, Peter. Well, somebody should yank your fucking medical license if that's all you got. I mean, damn. Um, so, yeah, nobody in the Marvel Universe can heal... Aunt May, not Doctor Strange, not Reed Richards, not Morbius, not the freaking kid that Wolverine, who's on his same team, knows that can reach into somebody's chest and regrow their heart. But no, superpowered CPR that doesn't crack her ribs can heal her bullet wound, and that's the power of love. Oh my god. Um, that alone would have been bad enough to tack this whole issue, but, oh, we're just getting started, folks. Next, Mary Jane gets a call from Aunt Anna that somebody is prowling around around her house. Mary Jane, or this stand-in for Mary Jane, smart woman that she is, hmm, somebody was targeting Peter's family to kill them. They targeted me and Aunt May. Didn't hit me, but they did hit Aunt May. Now somebody's prowling around Aunt Anna's house. What should I do? I think I'll go there alone without Peter. And not only that, I'm going to set it up with the nurse so Peter can't possibly know where I am if shit goes wrong. Because I'm a smart one that way. So Mary Jane basically goes to where she should deservedly get killed for being such a dumbass. Next, we have her reinforcing the whole Spidey as abusive father thing, which again, is just goddamn offensive. And after that, we've got the very poor attempt to mirror the burglar from Amazing Spider-Man number 15, because, I mean, come on. He didn't let this guy go. The first time, he got into a police car, and Spider-Man had no way of knowing that he got out of that police car. Next, Spider-Man is completely unconscious when the guy walks away. He never let the dude go. This has got to be the worst attempt at redoing the burglar I have ever seen, and it makes this guy try to look... Uh, a lot more important by making him look like the burger. Burglar. The burger would be better. <laughs> and the ham burglar, if you will. <laughs> my last major point is there's just, there seems to be a complete and utter confusion over Doctor Strange's powers. Don't worry, Peter. I'll heal Mary Jane. Well, you couldn't heal Aunt May. Why the fuck can you heal Mary Jane? What the hell are your powers, dude? Besides the 70s porn stash. <laughs> So, <laughs> guess what? Once again, this one gets an F. Uh, I consider it an F minus, but the art was good. Now, you have to address the uh, Tom Brevoort. I because I, I'm mixed on that because I think it's kind of cool when writers put in somebody they know, like you put in me in your comic as a, as a broadcaster. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't have a real problem with that. You, know, you yeah. put in. Putting in somebody you know in the comics has been done before. I mean, hell, uh, <laughs> Grant Morrison wrote himself into one of his comics, and everybody loved it. Um, and that was literally himself. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, in, in this case, you know, he was probably going to write somebody 
to uh, perform the same function, and he's stuck in, you know, the art is his friend. It's not even like we named the character Tom Brevoort. Paulo Rivera simply drew uh, one of the editors there, and it's not the first time that's happened, so I don't no. really... I've had seen some people say, oh, they devote six complete panels to... Uh, to having Tom Brevoort in the issue, it's not really that bad. There were like yeah. three panels dealing with him with dialogue and a couple others where, oh, you see him in the background here, and here he's waving as Spidey goes away. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a C. Oh, go ahead, JR. I'm sorry. I was just going to say one thing. Where, didn't Stan Lee and Jack Kirby try to crash Reed and Sue's wedding? Yeah, it, it, it's a yeah. fairly common thing. I, I was just addressing yeah. it because a lot of fans hated it. Uh, I'll give it a C, but I have to address a point that, uh, when the, ber- when the, uh, the gunman, uh, sneaks up behind Mary Jane and she hits him in the nuts, the Marvel sound effect for that, when some man gets hit in the nuts, is crud-nuts. <laughs> I laughed out loud when he got wrecked, and so the poor man goes to the ground and goes, oh, kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the old woman up there. Whoa, sorry, kid. If it's any consolation, that even hurt up here. I just that was the highlight for the issue for me, where the burglar got hit in the nuts. I'm sorry. I just loved it. Cronuts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, see out of me. Um, I don't know. I I, I I didn't mind the homage to the burglar like you all did. I mean, if it's gonna be something that is life-altering, he has to be reminded of that very first irresponsible act. And I, I know... Because that hasn't happened in the entire history of the character? No, he's been reminded He's been reminded by George Stacy, he's been reminded by Gwen Stacy, uh, etc. And, and even as recent as the, uh, Aunt May getting shot, he was irresponsible for unmasking. So he constantly has to be hit with that message that he is responsible for his actions and... Unfortunately, this guy got loose, and it, it still falls on him, I guess, even though it was a damn bird. But um, another problem with the issue is that a lot of people have had is Kusada's rendition of Mary Jane. What do you guys think of that? Like that very pretty f- ugly. That very first image where she's really short. She looks like Sookie. Well, wait, Jer- oh, Sh- Snooky. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, she um, doesn't look super modelish in that. But we knew that she was always drawn unattractively by him from when he first did, uh, what was that terrible miniseries that started this whole thing? Uh, one, one more, more day. day. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I almost forgot it was. Yeah, so I mean, she's always kind of looked like that. I mean, that's just his drawing style, I guess. I guess. I don't know. It's not my bag. I like Pablo Rivero's Mary Jane a lot better. Uh, you, you know, um, Tony Stark has erased the memories of everyone of his secret identity before. And use like a computer virus or something to broadcast it. So it's not unheard of to erase the memory. But just to see, I mean, I don't know who this is written for. I mean, it's not written for the casual Spider-Man fan. It's written for us, I think, who are the uh, continuity hounds who find so many errors and, and, and loopholes. and Not loopholes, but uh, giant black holes in the plot. I don't. Who's it written for, JR? The the people writing it, yeah, exactly. It's written. It's it's written for Joe Casada. It's I, written for him to justify what he's done. I, I I don't get it. I mean, it's a reboot, but did they do the Superman reboot better than this, uh, Michael? Which one? 
Okay. I'm talking about the Bond uh, one in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, that was, was that that was that was pretty much a cut off all ties to the past and move on with the future. I mean, should um, they have done that? I mean, they they they're trying to get yes. both worlds with this. They they should have they should have at the end of Civil War started the Marvel U over at Ground Zero. But they can't. I mean, some of it's working and Spider-Man's not. I mean, what do they do? Do they? <laughs> They've, th- th- there's nothing really they can do. Yeah. They have to at this point. They have to ignore it. Yeah. They have to not talk about it anymore, and they have to hope that eventually we'll stop asking questions. And, and here's a question: Should they have just not done this story and just left it to a, as a mystery? Anyone? I didn't. No, well, I, I didn't we... have to read the story. No, go ahead, Stella. No, you you go ahead, sir. Oh, sir, I mean, sir was, uh, I was about to say that was Mr. Fettinger and he died nine years ago. Um, I, I, I was just going to say I didn't need to read this story. No. I didn't want to read this story. You know, it's like, you know what, you, you, you screwed with the history because you don't want the character to be married. Okay, fine. Let's just move on. I, I did not need, I'm a continuity fanboy whore, like I've always said, yeah. but I didn't need this explanation. I, I just kind of accepted it and moved on because I knew as bad as one more day was, I knew that any story trying to justify it would be just as bad. Yeah. Stella, Stella, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that I think that even though people have problems with the answer, I think even the answer being left unanswered would bother so many people and they would still ask for it. So I think it's sort of people are just not going to be happy either way. But the main thing is I think everyone – Especially on this panel, I, want, I think everyone wants that deal with the devil to be done. I think we want the devil to lose, don't we? Well, he has to. I mean, it's, yeah. not only is he the devil, I mean, just in very basic terms, he's the villain. Yes. And to have the villain just completely win, and not only win, but have an ongoing victory yes. that is hanging over it for the rest of time until yeah. he's beaten, yeah. uh, it has to be beaten. But Joe Quesada's problem that he's written himself into is mm-hmm. if the devil is beaten, the retcon goes away. Well, I mean, have Doc Strange kick his ass or something. I, I, that's my basic problem with this story is the villain wins. So oh, yeah, but still, if you, even if you kick his ass, have some other character kick his ass, as long as this status quo is in effect, the devil still won. I don't care how much his ass gets kicked. Well, I mean, he got what he wanted. Yeah, that's true. What he I, wanted was their marriage, and he got it. And as long as that is the case, devil wins. Well. Do Mary Jane and Peter even know they were married? They don't at this point. There is a small part of their souls screaming yeah. in agony for the rest <laughs> of the fucking blob. I, I think have Spider-Man Doc Strange kick Mephisto's ass, have both of them realize, oh shit, we were married again, and then decide to part ways. But again, the devil still wins. He wanted their marriage. It doesn't matter if he's the cause of their marriage breaking up. Even It doesn't matter if they remember being married. If they don't have a marriage, the devil wins. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Again, they set it up badly. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I, I, I don't know how to get them out of this box. I really don't. There, there's a very easy way. Shoot the pigeon, kick the feet of that, be married. Shoot, shoot the pigeon. Quote of the podcast. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. We have another show coming out this month that will include a trip back to the Spider-Man titles in the 1970s. 
with the This Month in Spider History with JR segment. We'll also answer your message board questions. But before we go, I want to give a plug to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. An example of their huge discounts is on the Spider-Man One Moment in Time hardcover. The book reprints the controversial story from Amazing Spider-Man number 638 to 641. The cover price is $24.99. Mail order has it for just $14.99, which is 40% off the cover price. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas. 